Hey everybody, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 156, August 2022. I guess this month is one of the funniest and most inventive playwrights I've ever met, Rand Higby. I've been a fan of Rand's work for some time, having seen several of his plays and readings over the years, and he never fails to astound. His play is the first entry in our 2022 play readings, all with the theme of pets, and it's a comedy called The Death of Gingerbread. Karen is played by Kim Frochek. Sylvia is played by Morris Stevens. Stage directions are read by Philadelphia acting legend Milo Bohack. Lights rise on an empty stage. After a beat, Karen enters. She carries a book bag, which she plops down onto the floor as she collapses down onto the sofa. Hey, Mom, I'm home. You're home early. Big Algebra 2 test tomorrow, so busy night studying. Algebra 2, the sequel. Yep. <laughs> Algebra 2, the wrath of X. The X strikes back. Huckleberry X. All right, Mom. <laughs> Dinner will be ready in a few minutes. You'll know where to find me. Sylvia exits. Mom, I heard a funny joke today. The guy who owns a cat who he loves very much, so much that he never wants to go away from home, like on vacation or anything. Mom, where's gingerbread? You want some gingerbread, dear? I said, where is gingerbread? My goldfish. Goldfish? You don't have a goldfish. I have a goldfish, Mom. You don't have a goldfish. I would know if you had a goldfish. Mom, I have a goldfish. His name is gingerbread. Not ringing a bell. He sits right there on the bookcase. I won him at the state fair three years ago. Two and a half years ago. So you remember. No, I don't remember a goldfish. But if it was the state fair, then the fair is in September, and this is February, so... Mom, I have a goldfish. His name is Gingerbread. He sits in a bowl on the bookcase right there. Maybe you dreamed that, honey. Ooh, I know a joke about a goldfish. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Actually, that's about a tuna fish. Mom. What do you call a goldfish playing poker? Fish and chips. That's not even <laughs> funny. Yes, it is. What did the goldfish have for breakfast? He can't remember. Because goldfish don't remember very well. What happened to gingerbread? I don't remember. See? I'm like a goldfish. Okay, I remember. You remember I have a goldfish? Yes. Yes, you have a goldfish. He's six feet tall, invisible, and you named him Harvey. I'm a big girl mom. That's debatable. If gingerbread died, I can handle it. Once when you were five years old, a goldfish died and you cried for an entire week. And that was a goldfish on TV. I'm not five years old anymore. No, I suppose not. I just don't want you to get upset and wail and carry on. I won't. Gingerbread died. Okay, Mom. You're all right? I'm fine. You loved that goldfish. He was a goldfish, and he was three years old. Two and a half. He had a good life. Considering he was only a goldfish, I suppose so. I came into the room to dust and I saw gingerbread floating on his back. And at first I thought, 
Oh, isn't that nice? After all these years of swimming on his front, he finally learned the backstroke. But then I realized what that actually meant. Did you bury him? Sylvia Mimes taking the goldfish out of his bowl, then going to the toilet, dropping him in, and flushing. Was that okay? I suppose. I wish you would have waited for me. You fall apart at funerals. All right. Did you say any words? Mm-hmm. I performed a eulogy, yes. I said, you've been a good and loyal goldfish, Gingerbread, for two and a half years. That was nice. Did you want to add anything? You can go stand over the toilet if you want to say something. I will think that over. Now, isn't this better than trying to deny that I had a goldfish? I suppose so. You don't think you were actually going to pull that one off, did you? Desperate times and all that, you know. I'm going to go finish supper now. Go do that. You'll be all right? I will. You sure? Mom! I'll go finish supper now. Sylvia exits. Karen gets back to work on her algebra. After several moments, Sylvia re-enters. I killed Gingerbread! What? Mom, no. I did! It was me! What was you? I tried to cover it up, but your relentless questioning has broken me what down. What are you saying? I was dusting. I don't know how it happened, but the bowl fell off and it broke on the floor. Calm down. I can't calm down. I murdered Gingerbread! <laughs> no, he was you didn't. He was laying there on the floor and I should have moved quicker. It was like I was paralyzed. You panicked. Yes, I panicked. And Gingerbread just lay on the floor with those big goldfish eyes and he was saying, Why? 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 He was not thinking that. It was an accident. Of course it was. <sighs> But what if it wasn't an accident? It was. What if I did it on purpose? You wouldn't have done it on purpose. You always loved that goldfish more than you loved me. What? Mom, how could you say such a thing? The way you would go to his bowl sometimes, and you would tap on his bowl. You never tapped on my bowl. You don't have a bowl. Still, it was such a sign of affection on your part. Mom, if you are ever living in a bowl, I will tap on the bowl. You promise? I do. I love you more than I could ever love a goldfish. I'm sure you do, but sometimes I get insecure. Yes, you do. Are you going to be all right? I think so. Can I get you something? Maybe a glass of milk. All right. Karen gets up and is about to exit. And I, I made some cookies. Good. What kind? Oh, gingerbread! <laughs> Why don't we forget about the snack? It's it's almost supper time. Yes. By the time I got some water in a glass so I could put him somewhere. Yes, I, yes, yes. I, it's all right. I, I it's all right. I should have called 911. Probably not. No. I suppose it was fait accompli. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Why don't you wash up? Supper's ready. Okay. Aren't we going to wait for Dad? 
Dad? <laughs> you don't have a dad. Sylvia exits as Karen stares after her. The lights quickly fade. That was The Death of Gingerbread by Rand Higby. Karen was played by Kim Fratrick. Sylvia was played by Mara Stevens, and stage directions were read by Philadelphia acting legend Milo Bohack. We were very fortunate to be able to catch up with Rand and have some good chat with him and talk about where this funny little play came from. <laughs> you know, as soon as I as soon as I saw your your email with the submission, I knew there was going to be something special in there because everything I've seen from you is unique. It's special. And there's always something in there that makes you sit there and go, what? Um, and this was absolutely no exception. So I got to ask you, as, as a playwright and as somebody who's, who's read this thing about half a dozen times already, where did you come up with this? What was the first piece of this play that entered your psyche and walked into your soul and said, write me. Where did you start with this one? Well, generally speaking, I'm always, I'm always on the lookout for subjects to write about, you know, or for something to write about. Mm -hmm. And I, there's an old joke, I don't know if you know it, about, uh, well, one of the lines in it is, the cat's on the roof and we can't get her down. Are you familiar with that joke? No, 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 come on, hit me with it. <clears throat> Do you want to hear it the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, is it a long joke? It's no, it's not real long. This guy, single guy, loves his cat. He never goes anywhere because he loves his cat and he's afraid to leave his cat anywhere. Mm -hmm. So finally, though, there's something comes up that he has to go do. So he goes on vacation. He leaves the cat with his mom and his brother. And the brother's kind of a goofball. Uh, he calls up a couple days into his vacation to see how the cat is. The brother says, cat's dead. Oh, my God, why'd you have to hit me like that? Why, why didn't you, could, you know, why didn't you just uh, break it to me gently? Well, what do you mean? Let's just say the cat's on the roof and we can't get her down. Oh, okay. Well, I could have done that. Hell he is. Well, just, just put mom on the line. And the brother thinks for a long moment and goes, mom's on the roof and I can't get her down. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So I don't know why I was thinking of that joke. I heard somebody tell it again or something. And I just thought there's a play in there and you can see it's not this. It's not that story, but it's it's similar. Yeah. Okay. It has the same sort of emphasis or right? same sort of modus operandi or something right right and yeah. i used to have a, a goldfish named gingerbread so okay <laughs> that, that was going to be one of my next questions have you ever owned a goldfish um yeah, yeah. yeah. did you win the goldfish at the state fair by any chance i that's funny i won it at a county fair okay uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. The girl wins it in the state fair. Yeah, I won at a county fair, and it was like, how long is this thing going to last, right? But had it for like three years. It was a nice goldfish. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think that's where most goldfish come from, actually. You, you've won them somehow, and you have to <laughs> walk around with that little glass globe for the rest of the night, hoping it doesn't spill out somewhere. 
or yeah. no, they do it in plastic bags now. So, okay. So I got all the way to the end of this play and that last line was the kicker for me. That, that was, that was the one that just absolutely made the whole thing, but I didn't see it in terms of, um, the joke you just told, but once you did tell the joke, duh, I got it. Um, because this, this, this poor child, this, this teenager has to go through all this stuff with her mom. And you got me thinking mom's seriously in need of some kind of medication or needs to lay off the French roast or something like that. Um, and then you get all the way to the end and it's just, I don't know if she's kidding. I don't know if she's serious, but it's, it's, it's a perfect ending line for this play. That's good. You know, sometimes <clears throat> I really didn't, I was unsure about this, this one, whether people would like it or not, but it's so, so far, you know, the reaction has been great. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes, you know, I, Oh no, I flew too close to the sun. I knew when I was writing that one, people are gonna love this thing. <laughs> well, there are other times, yeah. That sometimes every once in a while you write something and you know it. Mm -hmm. This time I, I really wasn't sure about it. And of course there's been times I've done, I felt like that and then nobody likes it at all. So, but. <laughs> I, I, I find that not everybody gets everything that you know I or, or other people write, but I think the main, important thing whether or not you you like it and it seems like you did um i mean i got to the end of this thing and it was perfect okay um i thought it worked beautifully uh, which is one of the reasons we're producing it here because it's a it's hilarious yeah. and B, it's a great it's a it's a great little play for for two actors to just step up and have a ball with right um and a lot of plays are more aren't so outwardly fun to just walk into and, and, you know, just play. So, yeah, I think it works. Congratulations. No, no, thank you. Yeah. So, um, this, like I said before, when I, when I was doing the intro, this is, for me, this is cause I've seen so much of your work already. Okay. I've, um, you and I actually met a number of years ago, and I'm not going to talk about how many years, but it was a bunch, uh, at what was then the last hmm. Frontier Theater Conference. And I can't, yes. Yes, yes. I can't remember the first play of yours that I saw, but it might have been Lightning Bug. Um, That's a good possibility. That was early on in my, my time there, yeah. Is that, is that one of your first plays? Uh, one of the first, shoo, <laughs> in, in terms of when, uh, yes, it was presented at the, the Last Frontier Theater Conference, Valdez Theater Conference. It was okay. one of the first. But right. uh, I'd been writing for a while. It was just, uh, sometimes it takes you a while to get your, uh, to get your sea legs or get to figuring out what you're doing, you know? I think a lot of his experimentation in the beginning. I mean, who walks into this? Well, I guess maybe some folks do, but I, I can't picture out how they do it. But um, <clears throat> it's it's a question of 
I know I want to write and I know I have stories to tell, but how am I going to tell these stories? And every time I've seen one of yours, it's become memorable. Lightning Bug was memorable. Um, the Head That Wouldn't Die was memorable for a couple of reasons, because I've also got to play with a, <clears throat> a head that wouldn't die. Um, but I can't remember if that was the was first it? one I saw or not. Probably, you know, that was the first thing at the uh, in Valdez. Yeah. Or the Valdez Theater Conference. I had actually had a, a Dawson had done a play of mine uh, at the, the college there a couple of years before, uh, which is how he and I got to know each other. Um, but the first thing that was actually done at the conference was the head that wouldn't die. Okay. So if you remember that, that's probably the first thing of mine you encounter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do, I do remember that one. Um, by the way, for our listeners, uh, the Dawson in question is Dawson Moore, who is the, oh my gosh, head coordinator, uh, uh, grand muckety-muck, um, everything yeah. there is to do with, <laughs> with the Valdez Theater Conference, mm. that's Dawson. Um, uh, one of one of the early guests on my show, ten years ago. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's hard to think of that conference with. I mean, you know. Yeah. No. It's it's that that conference is one of the one of the best things about being a playwright. Um, it's a remarkable week. You see some incredible work. You make tons of new friends, and it's 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 like a dude ranch for playwrights and actors. It's, it's practically perfect. It's nice. Oh, I agree. I can't think of, of, uh, a better time I've had as a theater person. I can't think of having a better time than, uh, Valdez. Yeah. The no, Valdez I'll, conference. I'll, I will totally second that. It's, um, it's an incredible week when you think about everything that happens within it. I mean, 60 some odd plays that are read, um, an evening of uh, other uh, a full up play practically every night, and then there's the fringe, which yeah. goes until oh my gosh, um, the sun comes up, which at that point is like one thirty a.m. because the sun really never goes down uh, in June in Valdez. Uh, a very they've curtailed the fringe a little bit. I mean, it's a little more structured now than it used to be. Yeah. It used to be kind of the wild and the wild and woolly west, but it's a little more structured now. So you don't have the evenings quite that long, but I mean, there's still bars and things or afterwards, everybody, oh, yeah. you know, the, the evening can get long there. That's for sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's an experience. Playwrights out there. If you can apply, it's a wonderful experience and you'll love every minute of it. Uh, I noticed also while doing some research on you, and I did not know this before. You write for the high school age group. Well, the, yes, that's how I started, really. Okay. Uh, um, <clears throat> I don't. When I was at South Dakota State University as an undergrad, I kind of started dabbling in playwriting, but it wasn't really until I started teaching at White River High School, Little White River, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course they wanted me to direct the school plays and put on some school plays. So I started writing some, some uh, stuff for high school age students. And okay. uh, I got some of these published and that's kind of what woke me up and thought, you know, made me think, well, geez, maybe you can actually do this. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe you, maybe you have a talent here and this is something you can do. So <clears throat> after teaching high school for a few years, I, um, I started looking around and noticed there were graduate programs for writing, not only just for writing, but for playwriting. I know. And I just thought, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how fun would that be? <laughs> and so <clears throat> that's what I did. I looked around and I got accepted into UNLV. And that's when I stopped looking because, you know, like I say, I, I taught for high school for four years in this little town in South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly going to Las Vegas <laughs> and, and learning how to write plays, yeah, it just sounded great. So It's, it's, it's a bit so of a culture change, isn't it? Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, in so many ways, in so many ways. I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it's, it's like two completely different planets. Let me ask you this. When you were yeah. uh, UNLV, did you ever run into a playwright dramaturg named Doug Hill? Um, that's not ringing a bell. Okay, cool. He was a, it was a dramaturg on, on one of my early plays. Um, knows this stuff. It's, Really good character, excellent playwright too. I ended up directing one of his plays uh, later on. So you were in mm -hmm. Vegas for what four years? It's a three-year program, okay. and then <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't have much motivation to leave afterwards, mm -hmm. so I hung around for a few more years. Uh, you really liked it there, just because I because I, I got a job and I had friends there. Okay. And I didn't have a lot of motivation to leave, but yeah. uh, finally the job came to an end. The the company closed down, and I moved back to Minnesota, which gotcha. which was a good move. <clears throat> and I I loved I love Minnesota. I love the area. I love the Upper Midwest. Yeah, I don't love the life. snow. <laughs> oh yes, I don't love the snow, and it's not honest to God. Winters just became too much for me. Yeah, and yeah. so here I am out in the Oregon coast where it doesn't snow. <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> that's a plus. Let me ask you this. Um, Cause I've written for high school students. I've written one play for high school students and you've written seven. <clears throat> that's how you started. Is there a difference in what, in your purpose for writing? Because I know other folks who write for high school students and it's usually with some kind of, I'm going to say deliberate message or that sort of thing pops up a lot more. When you write for high school students, as opposed to the general public, is there a difference with you? I, I think there was at one time, I think like one of the first ones I wrote for high school students was called uh, to absent friends. Mm -hmm. And it's a basically a, uh, Kind of a finger wagging, don't drink and drive type play. Gotcha. But it's it's gotten done a lot, so you know I'm still making money on it. So yeah. after after nearly forty years, or you can't complain about that. No. Uh, yeah. But I, eventually, I, I softened that more, and I think it was just more. You want the kids to have fun. Uh, sure. This is for an awful lot of students this is going to be their first introduction into theater, into the theater world. And let's let them have fun and find out that the theater can be a lot of fun. Oh, so yeah. I kind of softened it in later years and, and 
went in that direction. Now, you know, gosh, it's been so long since I've done that. I don't know if I could just sit down and write a play for high school kids anymore. I don't know if I could. <laughs> Maybe it's an interesting thought. Maybe it's something I think should think about. I would think it'd be interesting for, I mean, considering we both have a track record in life to begin with and playwriting that now that we're both more experienced, hopefully in both, we might write something different or might write something, I don't know, more purposeful, at least for that age group. It's, it's something to play around the back of your head with a little bit. You know, it's, I, I toy with it. Yeah. yeah. And I keep thinking, who am I to tell these kids what to do? Considering, you know, my teenhood was <clears throat> uh, one misadventure after another. Uh, I was, yeah, I was not the sharpest tool in the shed there, but um it's, it's an interesting concept, I think. I mean, of course, at the time, I'm spending almost every day with a bunch of high school kids, you know? Yeah. So I understood where they were coming from more. Mm -hmm. Now it's been, it's been so long, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm still on the same wavelength or understand yeah. exactly what they want. They yeah. talk about things, when I meet a high school kid today, they talk about things I have no idea what they're talking about. They're <laughs> talking about their Snapchat and their, you know, stuff like that. And like, what? Yeah, I know the language has changed and, and everything else has changed. Good point, good point. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so let me, what are you working on now? You got, you got anything in the, uh, that you're, you're chewing around with or you're typing out there? It's, what's next for you? Uh, I actually have a couple full lengths that I've been messing with. I, I, I write a draft to one of them and then set it aside and work on the other one for a while. And I, I kind of go back and forth like that. The one's a, a workplace comedy. Okay. Um, kind of based on my years working for 3M. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of wacky things in the workplace today. You've seen it in like, uh, the office the tv shows like the office and yeah. and superstore uh and i think oh i think it's not only ripe for just straight comedy but it is ripe for a lot of satire and so that's that's one thing i'm working on the other one is <clears throat> it's a comedy about comedy all right and there's uh it's in a nutshell, and there's a lot more to it than this, it's about a clown, an aging clown who wants to, tr to train his daughter to be a clown, and she doesn't want to be a clown. <laughs> but it explores, hopefully explores, that's kind of a, a, a fancy term when we'll throw into your description, it explores this. Oh, but <laughs> it looks at what is comedy, the question what is comedy and why do we laugh? And that's just something that has intrigued me all of my life because you can't put a definition to it. Anytime somebody says, this is why we laugh, <clears throat> I can come up with a counterexample. We laugh because surprise, it is the surprise that makes us laugh. But repetition is funny. You know, uh, I'm Larry. This is my brother, Daryl. This is my other brother, Daryl. Sure, yeah. After the second time he said that, it wasn't a surprise anymore. <laughs> Why was no, it always funny? But it was still funny. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's 
two completely contradictory. One you laugh at because it's a surprise. One you laugh because it isn't a surprise. Yeah, I I've also. Oh, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 no. Go uh, I've also, I've also heard it said that uh, comedy is all all comedy is based on cruelty, because there is always the victim. There's always uh, the joke is on somebody. It's about how dumb is this person, or how, and you can you can go to YouTube and look up fails. <laughs> oh, yeah. and see all these videos of people falling or banging their head against something so there's something to that we there is a bit of uh, cruelty and humor hey Rand, this has been great thank you so so much for joining us on on stage off stage and thank you so much for sending us the death of gingerbread it was uh one of the more favorite things i've been privileged to read um, in recent times and we howled with it and yeah good stuff thank you sir well thank you thanks for having me and this is this has been fun hey kids thanks for listening to on stage off stage on stage off stage is produced monthly and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on itunes and spotify if you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or know of someone in the theater who'd make some seriously good chat, by all means, send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again for listening. And please, stay safe, be careful, not only for yourself, but for those with whom we all share this rock. And as always, happy theatering to all of you.